Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P, episode 52 here on the docket. Brought back my good friend and co-host here on our weekly football podcast. Welcome back, Connor. Welcome. Hey, what's popping, Benny? We took a break last week. I, I couldn't I couldn't look you in the eyes last week. You beat me in, in <laughs> a pretty depressing fantasy football matchup um, two weeks ago. And I needed a little break. I think we both did. We, we both enjoyed the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, I'm glad to have you back here for, for week 13 here to discuss some NFL football. Yeah, it was a really good holiday for us um, in terms of DFS and also our picks uh, against the spread there. Three out of four, you and I differed on the Cowboys and the Redskins. Uh, but um, yeah, I I had a great week, you know, coming mm-hmm. off of a big win in fantasy football, basically lined up my <laughs> playoff position. I understand why you didn't want to see my smirking face. Uh, <laughs> I have a little bit of a carryover smile still. But, you know, I'm it's all right. Back I, onto it. I, Dude, I had a monster game last week, and it made up for a little bit. Tyreek Hill is a pleasure to have on your fantasy rosters at this point in the season, man. That guy's an animal. 50, what was it, 57 points in PPR or whatever? Oh, my God, that guy had an amazing game last week. It was like it was this, all, all in the first quarter. Too. Yeah. It's like 300 yards off the bat. Top, I think it was like a top five fantasy performance all time. It, it made people bring up like the Jerry Rice game, how he had like what five touchdowns and like 300 something yards and like 60 or 70 fantasy points. Insane. Some of those performances, man, when you look back at them, it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. If you, especially considering the time period, I mean, the game is completely changed today in terms of the totally. numbers being put up. So totally. Yeah. All right. So here on the docket for the podcast this week, we'll go through some of our best bets and, and some games we want to highlight. We'll touch on as many games as we can, but I wanted to highlight um, a specific bundle of games here. Um, and we'll while, while we handicap the games, we'll kind of review a little bit um, of what we can from last week to try to um, help help our handicapping going forward for this weekend and beyond. So um, to start off here, let's let's discuss. This game I have here listed first, the Browns at the Titans in Tennessee, Cleveland taking on the the Tennessee Titans, both teams coming off a win here. Cleveland had a tight win against Jacksonville last week, 27 and 25. Tennessee dominated the Indianapolis Colts last week, 45 to 26. Connor, you have any thoughts on this one? It's going to be an interesting game. It should be a lot of scoring. Neither of these defenses are particularly scary and both teams are a little bit questionable coming into this game, but have decent records. It should be fun. Yeah, I, uh, my pick here is going to be the Cleveland Browns. I agree with you. It's, it's a fun game. I think both these teams are pretty good, uh, but I'm taking the Cleveland Browns in the five, the five and a half points here. Um, I think these two teams are, are a lot more closely matched in this line. Might suggest my thought here against Tennessee is they're possibly being a little bit overvalued um, based on their statement win last week against the Colts. Um, they, Tennessee over the course of their season so far has two wins against the Baltimore Ravens, which are now looking increasingly less impressive now that Baltimore is really starting to slide. Um, in in their performances this year, really starting to people starting to pick up on Baltimore, kind of faking us out. Um, everybody was really high on the Lamar Jackson MVP train last year, and that Baltimore. I mean, given they were last year, they were a really solid team, but it just hasn't been the same the same picture for for the Ravens this season. So I think those two wins for Tennessee might be giving them a little bit too big of a boost, as well as the Colts game last week. The, the Colts did not have their best defensive lineman to force Buckner, who is, by the way, for the Colts coming back this week. So that's a big boost for them. But the Colts also lost in that one, their best offensive lineman, Costanzo. They lost him. He, he was out for a few games and he came back and then he re-injured his, his 
Uh, I think it was like a, a ankle injury or foot injury in the first half. And and the Colts had a quick 14 points in that one. And then once Costanzo went out, the, the, the Indianapolis offense was not really able to move the ball very well, um, especially once he went out. So I thought that made a big difference in the game. Um, Costanzo and Green, both offensive linemen for the, for the Indianapolis Colts were out in this one, and it, it did not help them at all. I, and I think Tennessee's defense is possibly getting a little bit overrated because of the performance last week. I mean, like we, like you said, neither defense here, very, very impressive. I think we're, we could see some good offense in this one. And I think that Cleveland's defense is just a hair better than Tennessee's. Um, I, I'm leaning, I, I'm, I'm definitely picking um, the Cleveland Browns plus five and a half in this matchup. Yeah, I'm doing the same. And most of that reason you explained in terms of the running game and talking about getting Miles Garrett back, I think that's going to shore up the D line a little Certainly. bit. Certainly. And, and that gives the edge, in my opinion, to um, Nick Chubb in the running game of the Browns. Yeah. Uh, when I mean, Derrick Henry. Yeah, never fun st- trying to stop either of those two dr- running backs. But Miles Garrett being the best defensive player on the field is definitely going to help the Browns in, in their efforts to, to stifle Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry has uh, some cake matchups coming up. I think this is probably the the most difficult matchup he has left on the schedule. And I do think that the Browns are able to rein him in a little bit. Um, And then when you look at the Titans defense, they're giving up 90 yards and a touchdown per game on the year. But that doesn't take into account that they played the Bengals without Joe Mixon. So Gio Bernard is not really a threat in the running game. And the same thing for the Colts. Naheem Hines is more of a pass catching back as well. And Jonathan Taylor was out when they played them most recently. So 90 yards and a touchdown. That sounds like a pretty great game. Uh, And when you take into account for these injuries, um, I think it could be a lot more that the defense is really more apt to giving up. And then you look at Chubb and his performances in the six games he's played this year, he's got 676 yards and six touchdowns. So when you combine that, I think Chubb should probably be right at those averages. Uh, And if they're able to do that and and sprinkle in some more Kareem Hunt in the passing game, I like Baker to play it safe, lean on those tight ends. Landry's coming off of a huge week, his best uh, game of the year. So maybe those two are clicking a little bit more. The Titans don't scare you um, in terms of their passing defense either. So I I think the Browns could easily cover. I think they win this game, honestly. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Um, Browns, to be cautious here, the Browns are one of the most, their performance varies some of the most week to week. Um, According to DVOA, they rank third right now in uh, performance variation. And Behind, they're behind the uh, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are one San Francisco 49ers are two and the Cleveland Browns are ranked third in, in variance week to week per, uh, for the performances and, and according to DVOA football outsiders um, one point here though that I do like about the Browns is I, I've been seeing some improved performance out of Baker Mayfield and by no means is Baker Mayfield uh, at this point the number one overall bona fide Brett Favre-esque quarterback that people thought he might be when he came into the league. Um, but he's a game manager. And, and I think Kevin Stefanski for the Cleveland Browns, the head coach there, has picked up a lot on that. And he's really starting to play to Baker's strengths. And um, just some some stats here to to boost a little bit, to to try to talk up Baker Mayfield a little bit. He's 11-7 and seven straight up um, against teams this year, or in his career, sorry, that do not rank in the top third in pressure rate. So the Titans are 31st. So that's a big difference. Titans are very low in pressure rating this season. Baker Mayfield has a good opportunity to actually have a decent game here. Like you said, I think Jarvis Landry and hopefully he can have a good game and hopefully they have uh, Kareem Hunt back involved in that passing attack. He didn't even catch a single pass last week. So hopefully he, he gets more involved there this week. Um, 
Last time Baker faced the Tennessee Titans last season, he threw for 285 yards, albeit he had three interceptions and one touchdown. He was a different player back then. He's throwing a little bit less interceptions this season, trying to put, be more of a game manager instead of a risk taker. And I think that I, I don't I don't really see him throwing three interceptions in this one. He And that 285 yards he threw for last year against the Titans would have been his second highest yardage total this year. His, his highest this year is 297 against the Cincinnati Bengals. So he's not taking a lot of shots downfield but he's also not turning the ball over and making crazy risks like he, like he normally does. Baker against teams that are in the bottom five in pressure rate, which is the Tennessee Titans in this instance, he's averaged 9.7 yards per attempt in his last three games against um, teams that rank in the bottom five in pressure rate. And so he plays a lot better when teams are allowing him to more time to throw the ball and manage the game. And I think that's going to play to the strengths here in this matchup. And if you look at Baker's stats in only competitive situations by removing, I, I, I like this stat. We were talking about it before the podcast. I, I like this stat mentioned by RJ Bell on the RJ Bell Dream Preview podcast. If you look at Baker's stats in only competitive situations by remo- removing his stats accumulated uh, when the Browns have had a win probability lower than 15% or higher than 85%. So basically, those are all the garbage time uh, statistics. So any, anytime the Browns are down by a lot or they're winning by a lot and they're heavily expected to win. If you take away those stats and you look at the ones that were, the games are close and, and it's a little bit more of a coin toss about who's going to win this ball game. He actually ranks fourth in, in the league as the best. He's ranks as the fourth best QB in the league uh, based on expected points added and uh, completion percentage over expectation in a, in a composite stat between the two. So I thought that was a really interesting stat from RJ Bell, basically just saying that our, uh, Baker Mayfield in a close game is a very good game manager at this point in his career. So look for him to have a decent game here. Um, I think the Browns are, he's going to lead the Browns to a, a good cover here, five and a half, possibly, like you said, to win this ball game against the Titans. All right, next matchup. Let's roll into the Rams and Cardinals. I like this game. 4 p.m., uh, 4.05 Eastern slot here. Um, the Rams are favored up by right now about two and a half to three points, over under total being 48 and a half. Rams coming off a loss to the 49ers last week, 23 to 20. Second loss of the season to the uh, 49ers for LA. The Cardinals are coming off a loss of their own against the Patriots, 20 to 17. Neither team rolling coming into this one with, with you know, a lot of momentum. So we're seeing a, a, an NFC West battle here between two teams kind of uh, who suffered some, some not so great losses last week, you know? So um, a lot, I've seen a, a lot of different handicapping on this game. So I wanted to get your thoughts before I kind of talk about it. What's your, what do you think? It's so strange to think about the the fact that the Cardinals lost last week to the Patriots because watching that game, they went up it was a weird game on them. Weird game. They just they really didn't convert in the red zone. A lot of field goals. There was a turnover on downs on fourth down where the Pats stopped them. You know, I, Christian Kirk dropped a ball in the end zone, which should have been a touchdown yeah. at the end of the first half. Marked, yeah, a guy was marked six inches short. Like yeah. Kyler clearly looks off. He's not running the ball the past two weeks. And I think that has something to do with the shoulder injury he sustained and his ball looks like it's not, it doesn't have quite the same zip on it either. Deandre Hopkins isn't being uh, overly targeted in the passing game, which I think is to the Cardinals detriment since he's clearly the team's best receiver. So I'm a little bit worried about the the Cardinals and, and the same thing with the Rams. Jared Goff has been very inconsistent, but the one thing I think the most consistent thing in this game is the Rams defense and, if Kyler is going to be hesitant to run and they're able to keep him in the pocket, I think Aaron Donald will be able to get a few sacks on them. And so I, I'm leaning towards the Rams in this game until I'm convinced that Kyler's healthy and willing to run the ball 10 to 15 times. Yeah, I like that. 
I'll have a lot of the same opinions there. I think the Rams are one of my best bets of the week here. Minus two. I'm, I'm taking them up to minus three, but I, I, minus two and a half is a great, is a great bet. Um, the, like the argument here, just to play devil's advocate against the Rams was I, I had, I had to share some Arizona love here. So the argument against the Rams is Jared, Jared Goff is basically the argument against the Rams this season. I mean, his, he, he struggled again last week. He was the reason basically why they lost that game. That defense for the Rams, like you said, is elite. They might be the best in the league at this point in the season. Um, but the Rams now are tied for fifth in the league this year for total turnovers on offense night at 19, but their defense, like you said, is fourth in the league in total takeaways. So they have 18. So they have a minus one total, uh, turnover differential and uh, last week Goff threw for another two interceptions and uh, he didn't look good against the 49ers 198 yards no touchdowns had a 52.9 quarterback rating so not ideal out of Derek Jared Goff so basically that's the only downfall for me with the LA Rams and, and it's a big one you know you're relying on if you if in a vacuum if you had to take just the better quarterback even with the, the banged up shoulder with Kyler Murray you still take him a, a nine, 10 out of 10 times against Jared Goff I mean Jared Goff has not, he basically Jared Goff has, his job is to not mess up the Rams efforts to win. He has to just basically not screw them up. And I I think that we're going to, I think that Arizona's defense is going to struggle to um, force force Goff to, I don't think Arizona's defense is going to pressure him the way that um, the Rams were able to last week. The Rams also a little to swing over to the argument for the Rams here. We talked about this before the podcast as well. The Rams surprisingly have the number one ranked rushing offense, according to football outsiders. They're the 16th in pass. So Goff is not passing the ball. Well, he's right around rewrite. Their passing offense is right around league average. So that's not ideal, but the, the rushing attack for the Rams, the three headed monster between Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson has been the number one rushing offense in the league. So Arizona is, is 14th in DVOA against the rush. Uh, right, so they're right around league average. I look for the th- the three backs for the Rams to have good games. I, I think one of them has maybe a hundred yards and a touchdown in this one. Honestly, I think they're they're going to rely heavily on the running attack. Uh, the the Rams are, and the Cardinals have now allowed at least ninety yards of rushing in all but one game this season. Buffalo had seventy three, and we all know Buffalo's rushing woes this year are not good. And uh, the Cardinals are, have been a pretty porous defense. Uh, throughout the season they, they've been up and down at points but really overall not so great like I said I, I really like Cam Akers in this one if I had to choose um, between the three running backs Akers Brown and Henderson I think Cam Akers has a good game in this one yeah I think we we know that the Rams want to run the ball I think McVay doesn't completely trust Goff as as you kind of um, highlighted here and what's going to be interesting is going to be the wide receiver cornerback matchups because we have Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker going against Robert Woods and Cooper cup. Yeah. It's a good matchup and Cooper cup who have been outstanding this season. And that's no credit to golf because most of their yards are coming after the catch. I believe they're both in the top in terms of wide receivers and yards after the catch. So the key is going to be, can the, the Cardinals um, close out quickly, uh, which I think they can do because I think that defense is very quick in uh, their secondary. So I, I think they're going to be able to limit some of the yards after the catch. And then I think the next step is, okay, well, on the other side of the ball, what what does the Jalen Ramsey, DeAndre Hopkins matchup look like? And well, I, Hopkins, I think yeah, Hopkins I hasn't been the same. 
he hasn't been the same size away from him. And so I think really what I'm looking for is does Christian Kirk step up in this game. We've seen it this year where he's had multiple touchdown games. He's had, he has the ability to break a long ball. If the Cardinals want to win, I think it's because of a big Christian Kirk performance. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I think DeAndre Hopkins is still not a hundred percent nursing a little bit of an ankle injury of his own. And Kyler, like you said, has been nursing the shoulder injury, not really showing as much a propensity to run the ball. Even And even when he is running the ball, he he's kind of not he, like we saw last week, he had an opportunity to pick up a couple of first downs and the announcers were like, oh, we don't really see him go down like that. Usually he tries to press for the extra couple of yards. He's clearly trying to avoid contact exactly. of that shoulder because that's where he's going to do more damage. So exactly. Pulling out of it. And so he's he's being very careful not to get hit and it's limiting his upside because he's exactly. going down sooner. Yeah, and, and, and a widely circulated stat I've seen, I can't, I can't take credit for this one, um, a widely circulated stat I've seen is during the, the first seven games of the season, the Arizona Cardinals were only blitzed 17% of the time. And over their last four games now, opponents have blitzed Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense 40% of the time. And Murray's really struggled mightily over his last three games, dating back to that Buffalo Bills game. And he really got bailed out in that one statistically by that Hail Mary stat. If he, if he didn't get that extra 60-plus yards and a touchdown, that game looks really bad on paper for the Arizona uh, for Kyler Murray in the stat sheet. Um so the, the Rams here, though, they're not a huge blitzing team. They're right around league average and their blitz rates, 26.1%. And they're right around average with the QB pressure rates at 21.4. But the, they are tied for fourth in sacks this year at 34. So the Rams are the, the, Rams are the highest ranked defense and are, are the sixth highest. Sorry, they're, they're sixth highest in DVOA, their defense. Um, but the Cardinals have faced, they're the highest ranked team that the Cardinals have faced since week two um, against the Washington football team. So the Bills are ranked 16th. I mean, the Cardinals have not faced great defense and defenses. And so I think if the Bills were gave Kyler a lot of trouble a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I think uh, the Rams, possibly the best defense in, in the NFL right now, could be giving Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense a lot, of, a lot of trouble in this one. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you have Kyler Murray in fantasy, you're starting Kyler Murray. But temper your expert expectations. He's not going to put up the 35 points that you came to expect the past six weeks, excluding the last two. Um, I think he's going to be more in the 17 to 24 range in terms of what he's going to, in terms of his output in this game. Certainly. Also Jared Goff over his last six games against the Cardinals, he's six and oh with a 69.3 completion percentage while he's 63.2 in his career. He's also got 294.7 passing yards per game over his last six against the Cardinals. He's typically two, uh, 265.2 over his career. So Goff has been playing well against the, uh, the, the Cardinals over his last six games against them. Like I said, I'm taking the Rams minus three up to minus three in this one. I think that's a great bet. All right, let's roll into our next matchup. Wanted to highlight this one. It's a really close matchup, and I've seen it, like I said, in this, like, like in the last one, I've seen a lot of people handicap this one both ways. And it's we're looking at the Patriots versus the Chargers in, in Los Angeles. The Patriots are taking on uh, a Chargers team that is really crawling into this one. They lost against the Buffalo Bills 27-17 last week, and the score really doesn't even suggest how much of a – lopsided matchup that seemed to be the, the the Chargers really just did not play well last week and uh the line here is going to be a pick 'em it looks like they're I've seen it very one one point or the other I've seen the Chargers up to plus 1 um but really we're we're kind of looking at a pick 'em line here um and I, honestly I'm leaning the Patriots in this one I think that they're a decent bet I mean really for me, it's a coaching thing. Anthony Lynn is, is just, it's really, we're starting, it felt like last week 
was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I don't know I think, how we didn't get fired. We yeah. saw Matt Patricia go. They, the Chargers could have been like, yeah, okay, it's that time of the year. Anthony Lynn had just one of the worst last 30 seconds of a game I've ever seen. 100%. The clock mismanagement there was incredible. Somehow they completed two Hail Marys. The first one got called back because of uh, some holding or PI, and then Herbert completed another one. It was incredible to watch. Yeah. They still muffled it on the one-yard line and ran like 20 seconds off the clock on a running play. Then Herbert had to throw the ball away. I mean, it was incredible how horrible they mismanaged, not even to have a shot at an onside kick at that one. Yeah, definitely. And, and just to play devil's advocate again, the argument here for the Chargers is, so last week the Patriots did not have a convincing win. So I'm not trying, I'm trying not to overrate that win against the Cardinals. It was a very weird game. Like we game. said, the Pats didn't win in my yeah. opinion. Cam still looked really bad. Like defense wasn't that great. It just yeah. seemed like missed opportunities for the Cardinals. Yeah. And really the key was like on at, at the end of the first half, when they had that touchdown called back from uh, to Keyshawn Johnson at the eight yard line, Kyler Murray uh, to, to Keyshawn Johnson got, reviewed and then called back at he was with the, at like the half yard line or so. And then it, they didn't score the, uh, the Patriots stuff, Kenyon Drake for no gain uh, at the end of the half. And that was really a big play. And I, I think that it, if that game is replayed, the Cardinals probably win that seven times to six, six to seven times out of 10. And not even to mention that Zane Gonzalez missed a game time. Yeah, field goal at the end totally. Of the game. So like, like they literally should have been in that game and gone to overtime at the least. If he makes, it was like a 40 yarder. Yeah, that yeah. was the go-ahead field goal because then Nick yeah, Folk, then the Nick Folk went and yeah, hit the 50-yarder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So the matchup there with the Cardinals was not like an impressive one for the Patriots. And so they're not – that was in no sense what I consider that a momentum-building win. But my thoughts here, like you said, the, Anthony Lynn is really just – he's killing he's killing the Chargers. And while I really hate to see young quarterbacks, especially ones as good as Justin Herbert um, – switch coaches so young in their career. It's never good to see a young, a young quarterback um, bring in new coaches. You want, you want some continuity year to year for these young guys to develop. I really just think Anthony Lynn's really hamstringing this Chargers team. And for, for a plethora of reasons, really, I mean, you look at their special teams specifically, you, you saw last week. So Anthony Lynn reassigned special teams coach George Stewart as an offensive analyst last week, and he promoted assistant special teams coach Keith Burns to fill the role. And Anthony Lynn and others on the staff began helping more on special teams before last week, and it didn't help one bit. They still had a lot of trouble on special teams. Punter, the punter was awful last week and badly missed a kick or two. It, it's, it's, it's a real, they're dead last in special teams, and the Patriots are I believe fourth or they're, they're up there in the rankings in, in, in DVOA. They, they rank fourth in special teams, the Patriots. And so while the defense for the Patriots ranks 31st in DVOA, and that's by no means, I'm, I'm, those are just kind of benchmarks. Those aren't any, any sort of super predictive stat or ranking, but th- with them being ranked 31st in DVOA, so the Chargers offense should be able to move the ball, but that doesn't mean that it's going to result in points because let me give you this stat. The Chargers are third in yards per game this season, 397.8 yards per game behind just the Chiefs and the Cardinals, but they're 16th in points per game, 25.2, incredibly inefficient. So they're going to move the ball, but it's, that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to score. And yeah. I look for the, the Patriots to get a big play on special teams in this one, a, a block punt, 
a kick return return for a touchdown, a missed kick, something like that. Look for that to happen in this one. It seems to happen all the time, especially when Belichick is facing uh, the Belichick and the Patriots are facing a team like this, where they they clearly have the advantage on that side of the football. I think that he's going to pull some sort of trick play out or some sort of gimmick to try to really confuse the Chargers and, and, and get a big play on special teams. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, keep an eye on that in this one. Ultimately, I think it is going to be a close game. I think the line being a coin toss is very smart because the Chargers, although extremely talented on yeah, offense, on paper, they're the better team. They should easily win this game in terms of what they've been able to do with the ball. But like you said, they don't convert. And then the Pats, I literally just don't think they're a very good team. They, they lack skill position players on offense outside of Damian Harris and James White. I think Austin Eckler might be the key to this game because the Pats typically have difficulty defending against a pass catching running back. And the past two weeks, they, they or last week, he, he had 11 catches. So I think they're going to utilize him heavily. And, and that's how the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball. The question is, do they convert? And can we rely on Anthony Lynn? And I don't think so. I, I'm going to stay away from this game. If I lean one side, I, I snake bitten. I probably lean the Chargers, but I, yeah. I do. <laughs> I I've seen know, it I both ways. The- I mean, I've seen it both ways because I mean, like you said, they're the more talented team on paper. The reason why I, I'm I'm picking the Pats here. The Pats win though. I, I don't yeah, know. I lean it's, it's, the Chargers, but I think the Pats. You want to fade like, both I'm teams? Totally- you don't want either team really. You want to fade both yeah. of them. <laughs> And, no, I don't like. I don't like. And that's why. And that's why I'm picking the pass because on, if if it's a coin toss and it's completely like uncertain, I'm gonna roll with Bill Belichick because this is the stat that really got me to pick the Patriots in this one. Belichick against the spread against first and second year quarterbacks in his career. So Belichick's whole entire career, whenever he's facing the Patriots, are facing a first or second year quarterback. He's 65 percent against the spread. He's really good against the spread against rookie and young quarterbacks and veteran quarterbacks. So any, any quarterback with nine plus years of tenure, he's, he, he hits over like 65% of the time against the spread. And then in that bunch in between where you have like basically the quarterbacks between their third year to, to eight year quarterbacks, he's about 53%. So a little bit better than a coin toss. And so while that middle demographic is a little bit more uncertain, Herbert here, could possibly be an exception, but the reason why I think Herbert's advantage talent-wise is negated a little bit with Belichick here is Herbert has Anthony Lynn coaching him, and so we can't hit that hammer hard enough. I mean, Anthony Lynn's really just hamstringing him in that Chargers offense. The play calling and and the two-minute drills for the Chargers are just consistently unprepared unorganized. They, they just don't seem to practice those situations, and it's really alarming. I think that the, the, the struggles are going to continue for the Chargers on that side of the football, as well as the Chargers are also banged up. So while they're more talented skill-wise, most likely on paper, Chargers have Joey Bosa nursing a shin injury. He's likely to play kind of. I think he's questionable, but he's limit, he was limited on practice yesterday, Thursday, this week. Cornerbacks Chris Harris Jr. has a foot injury. Casey Hayward Jr. has a groin injury. They're both banged up. Hayward hasn't practiced yet this week. Um at, and I think Chris Harris had a limited practice last week. Denzel Perriman hasn't practiced at all this week. He has a back injury. So like on that side of the football, the defensive side for the Chargers, a lot, a plethora of injuries that may end up helping the, the Patriots in their efforts to move the ball on offense. How do you think the Patriots do move the ball if they do end up being able to pick up some momentum and capitalize on these injuries? 
I mean, the rushing game has been the the Patriots' bread and butter, bread and butter this year. Um, Cam Newton and Damian Harris has been. But I mean, <laughs> according to PFF, Damian Harris is the number one running back. I know, dude. Year. We saw that. <laughs> like, dude, you're gonna you're, you're gonna make me think Damian. Oh my god! I'm just gonna leave the room real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Why? Why would they? <laughs> Connor's left the room. Oh my God. I can't believe PFF put Damien Harris as the number one back. That was crazy. But imagine being the guy who controls the social account and being like, do you guys, wait, you guys really want me to post this? And they have like Calvin Cook and Derrick Henry next to him. I'm like, what? (laughs) On what earth has, has, Damian Harris been better than Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, like any of them. Like they read, like even if their algo spits that back, like if our if my data analysis spit out Damian Harris as the number one running back, and and I, I've had Damian Harris on uh, my fantasy team this year, and I also live in New England, so I, I constantly see the Pats on TV. I've watched a lot of Damian Harris. He's been good, don't get me wrong, but they, he doesn't catch passes. And he's an okay blocker, but last game he was 14 for 47. It's nothing to write home about what's going on. Yeah. Like that's something you don't boast. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll rerun it next week. (laughs) I don't know. They, they, the thing about PFF is they really try to bank on their evaluations of their game film. So apparently they, they watch every play and they grade every play. And I mean, there's something to be said about that, but it's also there. It seems that they're missing out on a number of the advanced statistics that suggest how players are performing week in and week out. It's it's a balance, you know. You got to look at the eye test versus the stats. I mean, the stats would never tell you that Damian Harris is the number one running back in the NFL. I don't even have to look at every every stat to know that, you know. So. Well, well, stats and the eye test don't. So I guess if you literally break it down play by play and you get that granular, you can some you can miss the bigger picture. Yeah, I, I think that's the issue that they're dealing with there. Possibly. But, you know, it never hurts my argument here for the Patriots to see that somebody with a, with a reputable, some sort of reputable reputation is saying that Damian Harris is the number one running back. And so while I don't I don't actually could think that I, I do think that Damian Harris could have a decent week here against the Chargers. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball decently well against uh, that L.A defensive front, especially if they're banged up, especially if Joey Bosa is in any, any way hindered um, with that shin injury, like I said. Yeah, it should be a decent game, but I'm still not looking forward to uh, like uh, starting him in fantasy. I think you're you're going to look at maybe 80 to 100 yards and a touchdown is kind of a ceiling. So he, he's a decent play, kind of a uh, running back too. Uh, I'm certainly not starting him over Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh my god! All right, let's uh, let's quickly touch. Those were my best bets of the week. Um, that's why I want to bring them up first. So ranked in confidence in confidence value. Um, I'm most confident about my Browns plus five and a half pick. I like, and then I like my Rams minus minus two and a half minus three. And then I'm going to the Patriots at, at pick them. Did you have a best bet in the week? No, I don't necessarily have a best bet this week. I haven't in depth looked at the lines. I just kind of looked at the games and my overall feelings. Okay. Um, so no, I, I all right, let's roll through some of these. ATA, then. All right, let's roll through some of these and you can let me know what you think. We'll touch on some of these games um, and, and we'll just give a quick evaluation here. The first one here, Saints at Falcons in Atlanta. New Orleans favored by three. This feels like a really weird game. Again, it's Falcons with a with a plus three line. I mean, they were they were the Raiders were minus three last week. Are you saying and are they saying that with this line that the Saints are this are just as good as the Raiders? I mean, it's a weird line. And you know, 
go figure. I, again, I, I, I lean the Falcons. And the reason being here is Taysom Hill is still a huge question mark for me. And last week's win for the Saints was by no means any sort of a statement. I mean, they won 30, 31 to three against a Broncos team that literally had no quarterback. And it's poor Broncos, man. I mean, last week was a joke. I mean, any one of the other 31 football teams in the NFL could have beaten Denver without that quarter, without a quarterback. It was, it was such a shame to see that. I mean, I don't know if there's anything you can really draw from last week's game yeah. in terms of in terms of how it could play out in this game. The only thing I think you can rely on is that Taysom Hill's gonna run the ball, so he's gonna be a viable fantasy option. He still he's hasn't thrown a touchdown. Score. He has no touchdown passes in his career. Yeah. But in terms of the passing game, like they're not really gonna move look to move the ball that way unless they get down against the Falcons, which is possible when you have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, but Julio's still dinged up. So I'm a little bit worried about the Falcons moving the ball, especially against Marshawn Lattimore and the Saints. Julio typically has had decent games in the past, but I, I am worried he has been hampered this year more than most, um, more than previous seasons with that hammy and knee. Yeah. Yeah, the injuries for the Falcons is definitely a crucial one if you're betting on this game that you got to monitor the Julio injuries, making sure Calvin Ridley's Ridley's 100%. I mean, those things matter. Todd Gurley, like you said, might be, uh, he's questionable right now um, on Friday. And really, my thoughts here with it is the, it feels like a, another Atlanta trap game. I mean, that minus three line for the Raiders last week felt too low. And this one feels again, too low. And it feels like the sharks here are, are, t- are baiting you to bet the saints minus three. Like the saints might be the best team in the NFL when drew and drew Brees is behind center. They, a lot of people have them going to the super bowl for the NFC. And I don't blame them. I mean, the saints defense looks really good over the last few weeks and, and they're, they're playing really good football. I mean, Taysom Hill has all of these struggles and of his own right, but I mean, they're still winning football games with him behind center so far. I mean, Sean Payne is famously, I think seven and zero now with backup quarterbacks. So, I mean, the saints are a good team regardless of really who's behind center at quarterback for them. But it just, if it feels like this line should be like saints minus five, at least like saints minus seven, even. And mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it, it if, if, there's just not that much explaining why it's this low for me. And that's why counter counterintuitively I'm going with the, I'm leaning Falcons. I'm not betting this one. I'm staying away. Um, but like I said, last week, the Falcons have a decent defensive front. They have a third, they rank like second or third in the league in quarterback pressure success rate and uh, pass rush success rate and, and rushing success rush, rush attack success rate. And uh, they're doing pretty well on the defensive front side. Well, they do allow some decent passing statistics. Their, their passing defense has been pretty atrocious. The defensive front has been pretty, pretty good. And if you're going to force Taysom Hill to throw the ball, I don't know that he can yet. You know, that's why it's a big question mark for me. I can't bet this relied on Alvin Kamara at all, which yeah. we kind of would have expected that kind of short passing game to the running back is what quarterbacks look to when, especially a backup quarterback who, who's not familiar with a lot of the scheme of the offense. Totally. Um, but, but Taysom Hill, they, they seem to be running an offense that's directed towards him running the ball and then quick passes to guys a little bit down the field, eight, 10 yards. He, he really has been honing in on Michael Thomas. Um, Thomas didn't have a great game against the Broncos. I think he was like five for 55. They didn't need to. Of of this like 16 passes they throw, half of them went to Thomas. And the week before, he had another good game. Kamara doesn't really seem to be a factor. So I'm a fade on him. I'm not too worried about the pass rush of the of the Falcons because, you know, Hill's not really a, a, a passing quarterback. So I think he'll be running the ball and moving where that really won't impact him too much. I lean the Saints in this game. But like you said, the, the Falcons... 
have really had a Jekyll and Hyde season. And exactly. It's, it's kind of been a, a tale of who are they, two, you two know, stories after before and after um, Dan Quinn firing. And yeah, maybe that maybe that's a good segue in, into the next game because we're talking about yeah. another team that just had a head coach who was fired. Yeah, that's all I have to handicap for this Lions-Bears game. The Lions-Detroit's at Chicago in this one. Chicago's favored by three points, and that's my handicap. Like you said, the Lions are rolling into this game with no Matt Patricia fired this week. The GM and head coach for the Lions fired this last week. And the reason why I, I lean the Bears here, or actually, sorry, maybe let me go back on that. I actually lean the Lions here, and it's a little bit of – my thoughts here is anti Matt Patricia excitement because the Lions <laughs> seem to, they seem to show some like too much excitement that their head coach and GM just got fired. Like even ex players. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Galladay liked the Instagram post from the Lions that announced the firing. And it is slay. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess I wasn't the problem or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Matt Patricia, he, God bless him. You know, I liked him with the Patriots, but you know, he tried to turn the Lions into like, Patriots 2.0 and it just that's not him you know you 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 take and you 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 borrow things from people you you admire and I'm sure Matt Patricia admires nobody more than Bill Belichick but he's not Bill Belichick you know you got to be unique the Lions are a unique organization where the owners really give the GM and the head coach a lot of leeway they give them every opportunity in the book I mean you talk about Patricia what is this his fourth year with the team and he got fired I think and then Schwartz before him I mean there's been a plethora of Detroit coaches and, and and front office staff that have rolled through there and been given every opportunity, but they just consistently seem to choose the wrong guy. And so eventually a blind squirrel finds it. Now, I think the Lions are, are going to f- eventually find a, a good coach and a good GM and it's going to click and they're going to have a decade or so of excellence. But you just it's just so unpredictable with them because they they're they're always running the risk of when they bring in a new coach or a GM here, they might be finding the wrong person. They're going to be putting their all their eggs into the basket of the wrong guy. And that's, that's a big possibility. But when they do find that guy, I think the Lions are going to be a good organization. So maybe they get a little bit of that Falcons magic and, and perform well after the coach just to possibly, to man. I know it, it really, it, and RJ Bell talked about this. They wanted to look at teams after the week after a coach is fired. And so since 2000 teams, after a coach is fired, they're 16 and 13 against the spread. Um, recently since 2009 teams after a coach is fired are 14 and nine against the spread. So those, those stats tend to lean towards the lines here. And obviously the bears have all kinds of woes that we didn't even get into but the offense of the bears continues to just be so unimpressive really miserable game against uh, the packers last week they got a couple garbage time touchdowns to really kind of help their stats but really we're just never in that green bay packers game last week like i said i, I lean lines here but just a really not a fun game that i'm going to stay away from gambling wise yeah the, i think the thing we need to monitor is the health of kenny galladay and deandre swift because the um, the Lions' offense without them is putrid. They put up a bagel on Thanksgiving, so or not a bagel. They they still had Adrian Peterson get a couple in there, but uh, that that offense doesn't move the ball at all. Um, they're not they can't rely on Marvin Jones to be a number one receiver. So I think they're going to have a lot of difficulty against the Bears' defense, which is still a top ten defense. We think. Um, 
Mm, Trubisky is fine. He knows the offense. He's not a backup quarterback coming in, even though he wasn't the starter. Allen Robinson's been playing really well, and Montgomery's coming off his best game of the year. So if I had to pick a side, I'm going to go with Chicago. But if if Galladay and Swift are playing, I probably won't bet it. Otherwise, I think Swift. I think so. Swift is trending towards playing. He cleared concussion protocol this week, so I think he's trending towards playing. But Galladay, I believe, is not going to be playing. So um, mm-hmm. we'll be dealing yeah, with Galladay's absence again. Yeah, it's going to be a game time decision probably either way with Swift because you never know with a concussion. Sometimes those symptoms pop up later. That was that seemed to be the nature of the concussion initially. It didn't happen during a game. It kind of popped up midweek, and you're like, oh, what's this questionable tag next to DeAndre Swift? And all of a sudden, he was out for Thanksgiving. So I, I think it's possible that you know you, you just want to have your hand on the button here and, and wait till game time because Peterson's not that effective on the ground, and, and Carry On seems to be a little bit washed after his injuries himself. Yeah. All right. Next game I wanted to touch upon really quick. Colts at Texans. Indianapolis in going uh going to Houston. Colts are favored by three and a half here. Really um a tough game for me to to predict here because I, I we gotta see what the how the impact of Will Fuller with this PED suspension, he's—I mean—he might have taken his last snap, last snap for the Houston Texans. He's going to be a free agent after after this season. He's got the six-game suspension now. Going to miss the rest of the season, and um, just a big loss for the Texans. And I don't know how that's going to affect them. It feels like a moral loss for them. Not only is it a huge loss, um, and I'll let you talk about how he kind of impacts them statistically, but really just felt like a weird announcement. He just put it on his Instagram. You know, didn't the team didn't really announce it. And all of a sudden, Will Fuller's out six games and every fantasy manager. I mean, I think he was one of the most popular rostered guys on, on top teams this season. Really yeah. led led fantasy rosters all year long. And then just He's the top 10 receiver that you yeah. got in the seventh or eighth round. I mean, he was fantastic. So that's, a, I mean, a big loss for not only the Texans, but also fantasy managers. And, and we'll have to see how that impacts them. And while... I'm going to lean Indy here if I had to pick just because of that reason. But, you know, the three and a half points is not my favorite here. I, I, I don't love laying the half point um, to make it three and a half because it feels like it could possibly come down to a field goal. Houston's offense is still going to be able to move the ball, I think, a little bit. I, I, while Will Fuller's absence is going to be missed, I, I think that the, the Texans have been – Deshaun Watson has been really great over the last few weeks. And he's really – ever since the firing of um, Bill O'Brien – Watson's really kind of been a little bit unlocked and I think he's trying to roll a little bit better, but obviously this, this fuller loss is just huge for them. And so I, for me, I'm staying away to see how this kind of affects them, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that the fuller loss is going to be huge for the Colts, um, especially for the, for the Texans. That, yes, excuse me. Well, yeah, for the Colts and the Texans, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, I'm I'm picking the Colts in this game, so I think it's going to be huge for their performance and in, in their defense, especially if they get DeForest Buckner back. They're going to be able to create pressure. That offensive line on, on the Texans has really never gotten solved. Um, so I think Watts is going to be under pressure. He won't have his typical number one target, and that's going to impact his performance. The running game has. Been been substandard with both D Johnsons. Um, so I think the Colts are going to able to are going to be able to lock them down, even though offensively they've been kind of up and down with Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett in this weird patchwork offense that they kind of rotate through. Uh, if Jonathan Taylor's on the field, I think they're going to be able to run the ball against Houston. Naheem Hines has been great out of the backfield. So I, I think the Colts take care of business. And um, one of the stats I wanted to point to and a reason why I would fade 
Deshaun Watson a bit too in, in DFS is because his splits with and without Will Fuller. Now these stats are from 2017 and 2018. Um, so they're a little bit older, but that should also make you consider that he had DeAndre Hopkins at this time as well. So it's not like, oh, well, he has Cook still, so he's going to be fine. No, he had DeAndre Hopkins and, and the impact was huge in terms of Will Fuller being in and uh, on the field and off the field. It was 10 fantasy points per game difference and uh, almost a passing it touchdown and a half with Will Fuller on or off the field. Yeah. He's the guy who's a field stretcher and he's been a red zone hound this year. I think he had eight touchdowns. So I really would not want to start Deshaun Watson in DFS. I mean, season long, you're going to start him. He's hot. The Colts defense has been, a you know, kind of lukewarm. So, uh, but in terms of betting and handicapping, I'm, I'm all on the Colts side. Understood. Yeah. I don't blame you with that one. Uh, for me personally, I'm staying away, but yeah, if I had to make a pick, like I said, I'm leaning Colts as well. It's a bummer that the Texans don't have a better rest of season schedule for the sake of Brandon Cook's fantasy owners and possibly Kiki QT. Honestly, I think some of these, I mean, Randall Cobb has a, has a toe injury, I believe. So he's questionable in this one, but I mean, Deshaun Watson, regardless of who's in the lineup, he's still one of the best quarterbacks talent wise in the league. And so you would like to think there's an opportunity for fantasy owners to pick up some of these receivers that are left on the Texans roster to have some decent games. But I mean, look at, you got the the rest of the season. They got the Colts this week who one of the, they're in the, they rank in the bottom three in, in points allowed. Uh, to wide receivers this season. But then they also got the Bears next week who are a good defense, the Colts again, and then the Bengals is the only good matchup really because, I mean, in week 17, they got the Titans. So, I mean, that's a decent matchup too. But, I mean, I guess if, if, you, if you make it to the championship and you have Brandon Cooks on your roster, you could start them then. But, I mean, really not much left, left on the bone here for, for fantasy owners in, the, in that Washington passing attack. I mean, not Washington, Houston passing attack. Passing attack. Deshaun Watson has to be like the number one guy in terms of, I wish he was on another team. <sighs> totally it sucks that he's on the Texans. I mean, number two in a close second to Allen Robinson. I wish he was. I on know. I literally that came, that, that came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, Deshaun Watson on like two thirds of these other teams would be so great. It sucks. He's on the Texans and he was with Bill O'Brien for so long. You know, hopefully they totally. catch a little bit of that Falcons magic too and continue to roll. Totally. Next game I want to touch on really quick. Um, your personal favorite team, the Giants, are heading to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Seattle's favored by 10, up to 10.5 points in this one. And uh, while obviously uh, Seattle's the better team in this one, Giants might be starting, it looks like Colt McCoy behind center. Um, I, I, honestly, if I'm making a pick here and I'm leaning the Giants at plus 10.5, and, a and I, that's where I got them out on my on uh, this my gambling today. I was able to get a 10 and a half spread here for the giants and the, the Seahawks haven't beaten anybody by more than 10 points since week one this season. And so while Seattle, you would, we think we picture Seattle's offense as being very explosive over the last few weeks, they've really kind of turned the tables and, and been focusing more on the running attack and trying to game manage and taking the shots when, you know, they have single coverage on DK Metcalf, but I mean, we haven't seen big games at a locket over the last few weeks. The Seattle's offense feels like they're trying to compensate for the struggles they're having on defense and the unders have been hitting in the last couple of Seattle games. And so while I think Seattle is obviously the better team, I think that the Giants could keep it close. I think the Giants defense is pretty decent still. And I, I like the Giants. And I also like the under uh, minus four, uh, 47 and a half. I'm taking the under um, and the Giants plus 10 and a half. But really, like you said, like, 
I mean, you mentioned this to me uh, in some of our discussions before the podcast. I mean, really tough to, to like this Giants team with Colt McCoy behind center. But are, are you hopeful at all? I mean, your hypothesis, if you're going to take the Giants, makes sense. You're just assuming that the Giants are going to perform like they have performed on defense and slow this um, a really electric Seahawks offense down. James Bradbury and uh, Jabril Peppers. I think I called him Julius Peppers on a previous podcast. <laughs> Jabril Peppers, definitely different guy. Um, they, they should be able to slow down Lockett and Metcalf a little bit. I know Metcalf's otherworldly, so you can't ever completely stop him. Um, additionally, yeah, they have Chris Carson back now, and so they should uh, look to run the ball. Yeah. Russell Wilson had had some turnovers. I think we're going to see a lot back. of Carson. I think we're going to see a lot of Carson volume because last week he was yeah. back. Um, he was back last week, but he only played really like half the snaps. Carlos Hyde got a lot of volume last week, um, but it looks like Carlos Hyde's questionable. I don't know if he's going to play in this one. Um, yeah. so- and, and so if that's the game theory, then sure, that, that could happen. But I just, even if even if the Seahawks just get up 14 yeah. nothing, I don't like the Giants to come back that's true. and come within 10 points because they're already without Saquon. So they have Wayne Gallman as their starting running back. Don't, don't even, Gallman's been I playing pretty well. Don't knock him too much. Fantasy wise, yes, but if you look at his yards per carry, they're they're very inefficient. Yeah, it's extremely inefficient. It's just it's pure volume that he's getting. So he's a great DFS play because he's been falling into the end zone every week and he catches a few passes. But they're also without Devonta Freeman, and then you take away their starting quarterback. So you're taking away their two best skill position players on offense and replacing them, and then you're putting them against one of the top scoring teams in the league. I just I can't support. that my thought. Hypothesis. My thought here was that the Seahawks are just going to roll into this one, thinking that they have this one in the bag already. Uh, obviously, with the base in the backup quarterback, and also Seattle's had one of the most difficult schedules in the league. Man, they, I mean, this NFC West division is ruthless. You don't really get a break any week you're facing an NFC West team. Um, and so, even when Seattle's played some bad teams like Philadelphia, um, who also they play that wasn't so good this year, they're facing these guys in in primetime matchups. And so, it's just been a highly stressful season for the Seattle Seahawks. And this is kind of their first game where they get a little bit of a breath of fresh air, one that they don't really need to be playing their best football to win. And I think they kind of, I think it's going to show a little bit. I think that the Seahawks, I mean, they, their next three matchups are pretty cakey. I mean, they got, they got the uh, giants this week and they got the jets the the following week and the Washington football team, then the week after that. And then they close out the season against the Rams and the 49ers two NFC battles, NFC West battles. So while this is going to be the start of a three game stretch where the Seattle Seahawks should really just dominate all these games. I think that this, they're, they're not going to be playing to dominate this game. I think they're going to just kind of play to win. And they're going to, I think that the the giants should be able to keep it within 10 points. Uh, but like you said, you, when, if they fall behind by a touchdown um, by a couple touchdowns or even three touchdowns, I just, I don't see how the giants can make, make any sort of comeback. And so I'm wary of that, but that's why it's not one of my favorite bets of the week. The Seattle defense has definitely been playing better too. Now that they have a healthy Jamal Adams and it, it, he's flying around the field, making quarterback pressures. He's playing like a linebacker. He's a safety playing linebacker. He's a missile coming out of there. Man. Yeah. So I, I like Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks um, to perform better than their defensive averages on the year too. Um, especially when they're not going to be pressured on offense. Uh, so 
I don't think yet yeah, that might be the case too, though, that they run the ball more because they know that Colt McCoy doesn't pose any term, mm. any type of a threat. So they might just take some pressure off of Russell who's really had to carry the team with, without exactly. a back the past yeah. few weeks. So that, that, that could, I could see that happening, but I just, I'm, I'm a yeah. Giants fan. So I'm so used to the Giants losing and blowing games week, after week that like, I can't, I don't know. I, I still don't believe it. Like the Giants are like basically in first place in the division, aren't they? Right. Like, the NFC East is brutal. It's, it's, it's truly the NFC least. It's so bad. Yeah. All right. Next matchup I want to touch on really quick. The Broncos uh, heading to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, the best football team in the NFL by most people's standards here. We'll talk about some power rankings uh, later in the week. And we have some updates coming your way uh, for ATA listeners and followers. Um, but the Broncos taking on the Chiefs in this one. And honestly, I, I kind of like, I'm afraid to say, it, I kind of like the Denver Broncos in this one. I mean, plus 14. It feels like the Broncos are getting too big of a knock for the performance last week. I mean, I take zero interpretation from that last week. Zero. It makes no, no any no change in my book. And and it feels like it, it's making a big impact in this spread here. And while the Chiefs are unbelievably talented, unbelievably good, they kind of play to the level of their opponents sometimes. They kind of toy with them. You know, it felt like they were really dominating that game last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they won by three points. <laughs> I didn't realize they didn't cover. I was like, wait a minute. That, that yeah. We have a weekly pick em pool, and I picked the Chiefs, and I'm reviewing our picks from last week. And I didn't see that the Chiefs were highlighted as one I got correct. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? They, Tyreek Hill had 300 receiving. Yeah, points. weird. They lost, they lost by three. <laughs> yeah. It really just the, the Chiefs kind of just, they, it, it's like a, a dog playing with like a dead right. bird or something. I mean, they're just they playing the same thing with the Raiders. They lost one game and they played the other one close. And they don't stomp these teams that you expect to. That yeah. Even when they get up big, they kind of like, ah, well, we don't really need to do more. So let's yeah. not. Let's so that's, that's my reason here. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm, I'm believing in the Broncos plus 14 because I just feel like KC might play a little flat in this one. And we've seen it throughout the season. I mean, Carolina was a flat game for them. The Chargers wasn't such a great game for them. The Raiders, the first one was really rough for them. And, and then the second one, they really had to fight on offense to take that one. And so the, the Chiefs haven't been immune to these close games this year. And, and while they're still a great team and Patrick Mahomes on offense is just unbelievable, possibly, I think he might be the best quarterback we've ever seen. Honestly, he could go down as the greatest of all time. He's the most talented but, yeah, I mean, he reminds me of a more talented Aaron Rodgers, to be honest, because I felt the same way about Rodgers when he first came in the league. It was just mm-hmm. like the, the the type of skill set that they've brought to the NFL is completely it's it's new and unique and it looks exciting and fun. And the arm strength combined with the speed and the creativity, it's really just an awesome yeah. combination. And, uh, and Mahomes is just incredible. But I mean, it just it, it feels like the Chiefs are going to kind of just win this one, but not dominate. And lock- you know, listening to um, the Bill Simmons podcast, he had Tony Romo on, and Romo was talking. You know, in terms of NFL analysis, he yeah. doesn't get better than Tony Romo. Totally. And um, he was talking about Patrick Mahomes in in the ideal quarterback, and he's like, I've never seen a quarterback check off more boxes if you were to build a quarterback from scratch. You know, if you were to mold it out of out of play doh. And so, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, absolutely. And before Mahomes came in the league, you would kind of think it was Aaron Rodgers would might be the most talented you've ever seen, or maybe mm-hmm. Dan Marino, or you know, something along those yeah. lines. But then, you know, you see Patrick Mahomes out there, and it's just it's incredible. The the John Elway was amazing too. To yeah, John Elway, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is the most talented player in the league. So even 
even in a game where they're playing the Broncos, it's a 14 point spread. And like you said, they have a tendency. It's a lot of points. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of points. So I, I, I lean the same Lock, way. You, yeah. You and do. Drew Locks back this week. It just, it feels like the Broncos are and just a little bit undervalued. Like they could break a yeah. long one. Yeah. And, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, they faced last week, they faced possibly the best team in the NFL. They're, the Saints are first in DVOA. Like, how are you going to put out, how are you going to expect any sort of performance out of Kendall Hinton, that quarterback, <laughs> a backup wide receiver at the practice, at the practice squad, calling your quarterback plays and throwing. <laughs> I mean, guy was one for nine with two picks. I mean, I just felt so bad for them, man. I felt so bad. But yeah. I, I, I'd pick Denver in this one, but like for all those reasons, we're talking up Pat Mahomes and the chiefs. I just, I can't pick it. Honestly, like I can't put real money on this, this game because it's like, I just never want to bet the bet against the chiefs. And, and that's, that's, I'm, I'm saying that knowing the chiefs this year are six and five against the spread. So they're not immune to giving up garbage time touchdowns and playing flat and missing out on these big spreads that they're getting, but still like, you just never want to, you never want to be, they could win by 30 and it wouldn't yeah, shock you. Either, I mean, so. you never want to be looking at a game with Patrick, Mahomes has the ball with two minutes left and your team is, you know, you're a couple points on the spread. You just feel like you're, you already lost. You know, you, you never want to be rooting against Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs offense. They're not going to slow down purposefully for anyone because they want to get Patrick Mahomes the MVP award again this year. He's he's the clear front runner and Andy Reid definitely wants to give him that. Why, why wouldn't you? He, he's possibly the best young quarterback and has a chance to be the greatest of all time. So they're, yeah. they're not going to slow down for everybody, for anybody. It's, it's similar to what Brady and in the past used to do. They just used to stomp teams and, and put up stats. It's like, you know, the Brady, Randy Mossies and like Holmes <laughs> and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I think, both of those guys are in the top five in receiving. Guns. Yeah. He's just going to feed them and he's going to have another amazing game. Yeah. Um, but again, lean Denver plus 14. I say that I like, like I say, my teeth, like, but take Denver. Like this is a big one. It's just, yeah, they, they haven't won that many games with that big of a margin this year. So, yeah. I mean, if, I, if I'm forced to pick, I, I mean, I lean Denver, but you know, like, like we said, man, just, I can't, I can't seriously take that. I can't seriously make that selection without, you know, hating myself. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's a, it's a gun to the head if you had to pick. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to. <laughs> the next game I want to touch upon a great matchup here. One of the better games of the week, the Buffalo bills at the San Francisco 49ers, sorry, the Arizona 49ers. <laughs> they're, they're playing this For game the next three weeks, yeah, right? They're playing this game in Arizona and the uh, the line here is about Pickham. I've seen San Francisco minus one in some instances. I, I got the Bills plus one in this one. I'm picking the Bills plus one, and I, I that's what that's the the line I got here. And the reason being is San Francisco had a good win last week, but I'm not overreacting to it because it was a, it was a typical NFC NFC West like grind of a game with with that Rams team, and it felt like the the, the Rams came out flat in that one. The Niners got out to an early lead, and then the Rams made the comeback and and they took the three point lead, and it felt like that was it. And then you know, sure enough, the 49ers came back and they won the game, and it was a great coaching by Kyle Shanahan, a really really well coached game, and um. My thoughts heading into that one were pretty spot on. I like the 49ers to possibly upset the, the Rams. And I, I believe I mentioned that in the last podcast a little bit. But the reason why I'm, I'm down on the 49ers conversely here in this matchup is the Niners are the second highest variance team in, in performance this year. And I mentioned that earlier on the podcast behind just Tampa Bay and variance per in their, their performance. And so while they had a good week last week, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that and, and giving them a big boost here against the Bills, who I think are just the more talented team. I think they're be right. the better team. 
And I think that the Bills consistently get a little bit underrated in, in a decent amount of uh, Vegas lines in these spreads that we're seeing week to week. And I think that the Bills here, um, going back to the the scene of the crime of the the the, the Hale Murray where they lost it against the Cardinals on the last play or last, well, it was basically the last play of the game. They're going back to the scene of crime in Arizona. I think that they're staying at the same hotel. You know, it's just like, you know, it, it, I, I think it's going to be more of a boost for them than than a bad thing. And I, I think the Bills here. Should be should be able to win this game, I, I, and if you're gonna give me a point, which, which is what I got, I, I think that I'm gonna take the Bills here plus one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, um, the San Francisco 49ers are still extremely dinged up, especially on defense. Last week they they looked really good having Debo Samuel back, and he his he's so incredible the way he breaks tackles. He catches the ball like half of his passes oh he's awesome are, are behind yeah. the line of scrimmage, and he turns it into he looked yards. like his old self last week. So I think he'll be able to cut up the bills and they have Raheem must start back. Uh, so must he, start. he's a, he's a must start in your lineup. So Colonel mustard, uh, he, he's an awesome player, but he was really held in check last week. So having those playmakers back is really helpful, but they're still without Kittle. Uh, if, if I'm correct, I think they're still starting Nick Mullins out there too. So I think that really, I mean, not like Garoppolo has been great either. I think the quarterback play really limits the potential of San Francisco. I, I think it's similar for the bills that they're going to be limited by how Josh Allen does. They either play up to how well he does or play down to how well he does. He, he is one of the most variable players in the league, but if both teams play to their highest potential, uh, let's say, I think that the bills honestly win by like seven to 10 points if they both play the perfect game for each of them. And so I think it really would take San Francisco to, to run the perfect game plan and more mistakes from the bills, which is yeah. the, that's not unheard of, you know, Kyle no, Shane, coach. So, but because I do think that McDermott's a good coach in his own right too. Right. Absolutely. I'm going to lean the bills in this one. They're, they're healthier and they've shown a higher potential ceiling on the season. Okay. Next matchup. The last one here, Tuesday night football, you know, there's not really much handicapping you could do here because honestly, this game could be played with different players uh, than we're looking at right now. I mean, this, the unpredictability of what's been going on this season has been really difficult for handicappers. I think that, waiting to the day before or the, or the day of to, to place bets has really been a decent idea, uh, perspective. I mean, a, a decent strategy for gamblers, because I mean, while you want to capitalize on some of the spreads that look tasty for you early in the week, you never know, like a quarterback could go out and get placed on the COVID list. You know, a big player who has an impact on the line could go out uh, with a, with an injury midweek or, or gets COVID midweek, you know? And so while, uh, this game is expected to be played on Tuesday night with the, with the Ravens still trying to, con- to, uh, you know, limit this COVID outbreak they had in their locker room. You never know, you know, and that's why I don't really have much to note here. I think the Ravens are, the Ravens are favored by about seven points to seven and a half points here. I mean, obviously they're the better team than the Cowboys. The Cowboys might be one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Um, but they, they do sometimes look competent with uh, with Dalton at quarterback, and Amari Cooper still really good. Yeah, Zeke is Zeke, but he he Zeke's been brutal this year on Thanksgiving. Absolutely brutal. So you're absolutely right. When we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Ravens and possibly other positions, like do you want to bet on Trace McSorley? No, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, we'll right. On from that, so that was a brutal play for the Steelers on two, on uh, Wednesday when McSorley got that long touchdown. Like the cornerback was just like, what are you? Yeah, what are you? What are you doing, dude? Uh, that was brutal. But McSorley got lucky with the long touchdown. But yeah, dude, I I, I don't I I honestly don't know who's going to play in this one. It sounds like Lamar might start, but 
you know, you, he's coming off of the COVID list. You know, he might, he, he might still have some side effects. Like we saw right. with Cam Newton and yeah. other, an, another running quarterback who relies heavily on the legs. So it's Andy Dalton who play, who's going to play in this game. He said he suffered for weeks after the fact with grogginess and some COVID like symptoms yeah. after he was infected. So definitely the possibility that Lamar doesn't play up to the, the pace he's been playing thus far the season, which hasn't been that great. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. my hand, yeah. My handicap for this one is wait till Tuesday or Monday night to, to place a bet because you don't, you, you want to know who's playing in this one and you got to figure out the best up-to-date uh, information. Yeah. And I think that that type of advice is, been why we've been so largely successful in DFS as well is because, you know, we've been able to be reactive to those late game changes. If somebody goes out on defense, maybe you sub an offensive player from the opposition into your lineup, or if a starter goes out and you can put in a cheaper option, who's going to get you 90% of the value. And then you get to put, you know, pay up somewhere else at quarterback or tight end. So yeah. maybe that's, are we moving on to our DFS? Is that our next segment? You, you beat me to it, man. Let's roll into some. Let's roll into some daily fantasy. We'll wrap up it's the like, podcast. It's like we have segment notes, Ben. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we got some daily fantasy here to talk about. Let's 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 discuss what we what we uh, decided to select here for our DFS lineups. You want to start off? Who'd you have a quarterback? Yeah, so this is a guy we, we talked a little bit about, uh, Taysom Hill, uh, a very intriguing player, a lot of rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. And because those count as six compared to the traditional four through the air, he makes a really good fantasy option with a high floor from the rushing yards, which are more highly valued than passing yards as well. In a game against the Falcons, which could be more of a shootout, he might have to pass a little bit as well, which increases his ceiling. So I'm going with Taysom Hill at only 6,300, a decent cash play and and has some upside tournament potential. Yeah, I don't hate that pick, I'm, uh, but I'm honestly a little bit afraid to play Taysom Hill this week because I feel like if the Falcons force New Orleans to start throwing the ball, that Jameis Winston might get a look in this game. Uh, but I'll, like for those reasons, like you said, I think Taysom Hill is going to be able to run the ball pretty well in this one. And I, I, I don't hate the pick, but I, I don't love the 63 and a half price tag. I mean, the 6,300 uh, price tag, but... Um, he could have a good game. A tough, it was a tough slate for quarterbacks. I mean, certainly you had Kyler Murray who, who's dinged up. I really, I, mean, I think that there's only one elite quarterback this week and it's Aaron Rodgers facing off against the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought he was the only elite quarterback this week. And I didn't, I didn't want to pay up for him um, because I feel like the, the Packers might end up blowing up, blowing out the, the Eagles and then he might not throw the ball that much, but. Um, and of course we're speaking about the main slate. So that's why we're not like including Patrick Mahomes in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I ended up rolling with Jared Goff at quarterback. I thought he was a good bargain at just $5,800. Um, I think, like I said earlier on the podcast, I mean, he's over his last six, uh, last six games. He has great stats against the Cardinals. He, he's he's not unfamiliar with this Cardinals defense. He knows what he's going to be facing. I think he has a good game against Arizona this week. I think that um, the Rams should should win this ball game, And I, I think that Jared Goff is going to have to throw the ball um, reasonably well. And at $5,800, I was willing to, to, to uh, jump on the golf bandwagon this week. Although, you know, it's never, it's never fun, you know, cheering on Jared Goff with the inconsistencies and turnover um, propensity that he has. Yeah, you're absolutely right. At running back, rolled with I, uh, I, dude, I couldn't pass up Derrick Henry this week. Priced at a whopping ninety two hundred dollars. I just think Derrick Henry is the king, man. He's just awesome. Um, I, I think that this Cleveland Tennessee game is going to have a lot of rushing, and I, I, I went with the guy who I think is the best running back in the NFL. And you, it looks like you had a similar take here with your your guy. You went with your RB one spot. 
Yeah, I, I paid up as well for Nick Chubb. He's coming in at 7700 so a $1,500 discount to Derrick Henry. Uh, and I still think he's he's a top five running back on the week with uh, a really big upside potential going against, like like we talked about, a, a bad Tennessee defense. So it's just on the other side of the ball. Both of these running backs should be studs this week. Both of these teams like to ground and pound. So it's going to be a back and forth, and it's going to be fun to watch between our lineups. We, we could be locked into the same game and talking shit the whole week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the, uh, the Browns are – they were giving up, uh, according to Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Reference. Browns are about they're in the bottom third of running uh, points allowed to running backs. The Titans are allowing 19 points um, for Fanduel scoring, so I think it's PPR, 19 mm-hmm. points a game. Um, the Browns are, and then the Tennessee Titans rank in the top third, 22.7. So um, I think that. Your guy, Nick Chubb, has a better matchup. I just think Derrick Henry is an animal who is matchup proof. So I think that we'll, we'll see some, some good rushing running backs in this one. Mm-hmm. Once you get to this point of the season, no one wants to tackle Derrick Henry. Totally right. We've talked about it um, into the dirt. You know, he, he gets better as the season goes on, as these guys are more. Because he's just physically bigger and better people. than everybody. Absolutely. He's, he's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger, you know, and, he, and he's got hair that's insane so you, you have to have him in your dfs lineup <laughs> he looks like uh, sonic the hedgehog or some or like just a, a, a turds kind of crawling out of his back of his helmet <laughs> i think it's really for wind drag you don't want you know all this hair all over the place slowing you down so you gotta you gotta tuck, tuck it nice and neat all it's right like a race car at our rb2 spots at our rb2 spots i rolled with De- Devonte booker um gonna be a starting running back for the las vegas raiders facing off against the New York Jets, who are never a defense you're afraid of. Um, and Devontae Booker should get the volume here against a, a team that isn't known as a defensive stopper. So I just thought well, with the matchup and the volume here, it made a lot of sense with the value of just $5,500. Yep. And then uh, on the other side, I'm going with Miles Gaskin. Gaskin's coming off of injury. He's been on IR, but it looks like Brita is dealing with his own illness as well as um, Ahmed still got a shoulder. And uh, DeAndre Washington also popped up on the injury report. So he could be the only healthy running back on the team. Uh, give me a huge workload against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to make sure much. he's playing. And uh, so, yeah, that's the key. You got to make sure Gaskin's playing, but he, he almost started last week. So I think you you should be fine. I agree. He had a full week of practice. Uh, he's on my fantasy team. So I'm really hoping he starts. Uh, so yeah, I like Gaskin to perform well. He's a, he's a good pass catching running back as well. So in PPR format, it's not a bad guy for only 5,900 to have in your lineup as an RB two. I like that pick. Let's roll into the wide receiver spots. I went with AJ Brown in my wide receiver one spot. Um, Really just, I think that this is going to be a lot of offense between Cleveland and Tennessee. I think A.J. Brown's just really starting to hit his stride. He's looked awesome in the last couple of weeks. And I, I think Ryan Tannehill is a great play here as well. Uh, I think A.J. AJ Brown continues to keep the ball rolling. I think he catches a good eight, eight to ten catches with 100 yards and possibly a touchdown. Who'd you go with your wide receiver one spot? I'm, I'm taking the volume play with Allen Robinson. Uh, I love the way Mitch Trubisky looks at him. Yeah. Uh, I wish my wife looked at me the way Mitch Trubisky <laughs> looks at Allen Robinson. He was really targeted. He had two touchdowns last week, and he could have had a third. He had one knocked out of his hands in the end zone. Uh, with a guy with multiple touchdown uh, upside, and he's going against the Detroit Lions, they're the worst defense in the league, or at least bottom three, um, against running backs and, and wide receivers. So give me Allen Robinson. I like that play. I wanted to, I wanted to fit Robinson to my lineup as well, but I just missed out on him. 
I ended up rolling with uh, Justin Jefferson in, in my wide receiver two spot, $6,900. I thought that matchup with, with the Jacksonville Jaguars facing off against the Minnesota Vikings was one that I wanted to try to capitalize on. And while I love Adam Thielen as well, I, I think Justin Jefferson is a great play in his own right. The best rookie wide receiver in the league this season. He's playing really well. I think Kirk Cousins is a good play against Jacksonville. And I think Thielen and Jefferson and Cook, for that matter, are all great plays this week in DFS. Um, for $6,900, I picked Justin Jefferson. Who'd you go with? Um, uh, I'm going with the stack with your quarterback. Uh, I'm going with Robert Woods. He's only 5,900 and he's averaging 17 fantasy points per game in DFS format. So to have him be priced down that low and get basically what, what I see as a wide receiver one value, um, Alan Robinson, my wide receiver one is averaging 17.3. So for point, he's getting only uh, 0.3 points per game less and he's $800 cheaper. I love Robert Woods. Similarly, I, I like uh, Cooper cup in the same vein, but I went with Robert Woods. I think you kind of got to pick one. Yeah. And I think in our, in our wide receiver three spot, we both had similar takes where we were trying to capitalize in some sense of the absence of Will Fuller and, mm-hmm. and the fact that Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's got to throw to somebody here. And so I went with, I went with the budget option. I went with Kiki QT. Not far removed from a year or two ago where QT was kind of the, the hot pickup on the waiver wire in fantasy matchups. And I think we so he's I've seen over the last couple of weeks Deshaun Watson look his way on a couple of deep balls. I think there's a potential that he catches one this week against the Indianapolis Colts, who are known for, to be a good defense. They're going to have to take some shots downfield at some point. I think Watson maybe con- connects with QT on a long touchdown grab at just thirty five hundred dollars. I was willing to take that dart throw. But who'd you go with here in wide receiver three spot? Absolutely. I'm going with the other uh, wide receiver for the Texans, and that's Brandon Cooks, not Will Fuller. Um, DraftKings didn't build into the price of Cooks and QT, the Will Fuller suspension, because it came out midweek. So we're really capitalizing on the value play here. You know, we don't love the matchup against the Colts, but coming in at only 5,600 for the wide receiver one on the team, I think Brandon Cooks is a great wide receiver three. I agree. I have I have Cooks in, in one of our fantasy leagues, um, our vicious talk league. And Cooks, I think, is going to be a great West of season play, especially in that one, because you get, it's a PPR league. Um, so Cooks should should be getting some good volume um, as well as, as DFS here for you against the Colts this week. He's been having a sneaky good year and people are not really t- realizing it because of how bad he was last year. Yeah. People kind of wrote him off after the, the concussions and the rough season. And kind of, I think he had kind of cut and going to Houston. Right? Yeah. And going to Houston. So yeah, I, I think cooks is a decent play this week as well at tight end. I went with Mike Gesicki facing off against the Cincinnati Bengals for the dolphins. Gesicki has had a, a decent string of games here. Uh, I think Fitzpatrick looks his way a little bit more often than yeah. Tua has. And so if Fitzpatrick plays this week, which we, I, it looks like we should be expecting that or at least kind of anticipating that um, for our fantasy purposes, I think Kasiki could be a good play at tight end at price out of just $4,200. Uh, I like the matchup against Cincinnati as well. Who'd you go with the tight end? A tight end. I'm going with Robert Tunyon. Um, I, I'm, shocked by his price he's only 3700 despite the past two weeks having five catches and a touchdown in each he's actually a, a top five um tight end on the season and he's yeah three thousand seven hundred dollars so he he to me represents the best value on the entire slate when you're catching passes from aaron Rodgers and you're going against the philadelphia eagles i think he's set up for a decent game um he has had some variability and a lot of his scoring did come from that one chunk three touchdown game, but that also points to his upside. So if you're building a lineup where you're saying, okay, give me a guy 
who is really cheap but has huge upside and plays with a good quarterback, give me Robert Tunyon. Yeah. The Eagles give up uh, to tight ends right around league average. Uh, they're right in the middle of the of league average rankings against tight ends. But I mean, I, th- I don't think they've been facing a lot of great tight ends. I mean, Dallas, Washington, Giants. I mean, Ingram's a decent tight end, but they, have, they haven't really been facing that many great tight ends. I think Tanya might be the most talented one or one of the most talented ones they faced this season. I like that pick yeah. as well. He had, I mean, he caught the bomb last week. I think Rodgers looks his way for a couple of deep routes, at least every game. So, uh, And then with my pick with Gasicki, I wanted to mention as well, Bengals give up the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends this season. So that's a great matchup. Um, yeah, both it, both good tight end picks, I think. I love Gesicki. Yeah. If, I, if Tua plays, I might pivot off of him. Is, possibly. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, and I, honestly, I wanted to try to find a room for, room for Waller or Hawkinson, um, but just really wasn't worth the price tag for me at tight end because really we're seeing a lot of tight ends this year kind of score mm-hmm. similarly, um, some inconsistency at the position in general. And so it's really tough to justify spending a decent amount of your budget, allocating too much of your budget to tight end because it's really unpredictable this year about who you could you, – Kasiki and Tunyon. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, Kasiki and, and Tunyon have an opportunity to maybe score the most out of any of those tight ends we just mentioned. So if you're going to give me an extra couple grand or $1,000 at least to pick a lower-ranked a lower ranked tight end, sure, I mean, I'm willing to take that risk to, to mm-hmm. kind of boost the rest of my roster. Um, and our flex spot, I went with Damian Harris. And I know we talked about uh, him earlier on the podcast. <laughs> PFF ranks him the number one running back in the NFL this season. <laughs> While I don't think he's the number one running back in the NFL this year, and I think one of my guys in, in my lineup is Derrick Henry, I think Damian Harris is, is in line for a decent game this week. I, I think the Chargers, um, the rushing defense is by no means excellent. I think the Chargers, are, like I mentioned earlier on the podcast, they're banged up on defense. Damian Harris is going to get some volume play here. With with the return of Sonny Michelle, I'm not worried because the last couple of weeks he's been back and Damian Harris has been proven to be the lead guy. Rex Burkhead out with the ACL injury with the rest of the year. James White really not himself this year scored his first touchdown of the year last week. Um, and hasn't really been catching that many passes and, and hasn't really been, you know, himself. And he's not the, the fantasy consistency, consistent guy that you look at not having Tom Brady dumping off. the Certainly. Ball. It's, it's the same, same thing we saw with Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara going to Taysom Hill. When you shift the offensive style to a Cam Newton and Taysom Hill, mm-hmm. a running quarterback, it just doesn't make sense for them to dump the ball off in a high pressure situation. They'd much rather scramble, run the ball themselves. Exactly. So James White just does not have the same value this year. So yeah, exactly. Damian Harris for sure. And Rex Burkhead was the goal line back. So with him cleared out, Harris should get a lot of work. Yeah. Harris the, is the biggest running back they have too. I mean, he physically, he's a big dude. Yeah. So I, I, am I flex- always falling forward. Yeah. Always. Yeah. He, he really seems to late. He seems to punish. Like he seems to be one, one of the harder guys to tackle in the league at this point. He's, he really punishes tacklers. And I think that it's going to wear down on the chargers. I'd like him to have a big game and lead the, the Patriots to a win against LA this week. Price out of 5,200. Who'd you go with in your flex? Going with my Giants running back, Wayne Gallman. Uh, Wayne Gallman, like you mentioned, has been productive the past four or five games when he's been the starter. He's in double digits in each of them, and he's been heavily used around the around the end zone. So I, I like him to get a touchdown. Uh, he's going against the Seahawks. He is a decent pass catching running back. So if they do get down, I think he'll still see the ball a decent amount on first and second down. Lewis typically comes in on third down, but Colt McCoy, I think will um, lean on him as kind of a safety valve, especially if uh, the Seahawks start to bring, bring the pressure. So I think Gallman is, is a decent play in the flex. 
I like that play. Gallman's been solid this year. I mean, while he's not turning any heads and he's not flashy, he's he's been solid. And he means taking Saquon Barkley's position. Yeah, exactly. Saquon, that that spot's You're there safe. for you. So you don't worry about that. You know. You're not fired. And speaking of him, man, he's he's man, he's been in the his. He had an interview this last week, and he's man. That guy's mentality is. I mean, I'm excited for the comeback because I think he's going to have a good year last next year. If the Giants make the playoffs, watch him try to like get in the game. You know, oh like, dude, I didn't, I didn't even think about that, man. Because the Giants, I mean, they're in the NFC East. You know, it's still anybody's ball game there. They could, they could win that division, and I mean, maybe Saquon tries to make a comeback, but I, I don't. Know. If anyone could, he's super easy. Yeah, to me. I know, <laughs> but I'm highly unlikely. Yeah. All right, some values we wanted to kind of touch. Oh, sorry, let's talk about our defenses. Almost, almost skipped right over because I'm not proud of my defensive selection. I picked, I picked the New York Jets facing the Las Vegas Raiders. And my thought here was the Jets were really cheap. I think they're the cheapest defense in the league this week. Um, but I just felt like the matchup was actually pretty decent. While the Raiders offense has looked good at times, they were really bad last week against the Falcons. And the Falcons are not much better on defense than the Jets. Um, and I think that, I mean, there's an opportunity for the Jets. I mean, keep staying the positive here. I don't think they go negative against um, the, the, the Raiders who are really just not themselves right now. Like I said, a lot of t- inner turmoil, no Josh Jacobs, no Trent Brown who's been out. I think there's another offensive lineman. Col- uh, Colton is out. And, you know, there's a couple guys on their offensive line not not playing in this one. I think that the Jets defense is, is better than the worst ranked defense. And so I thought there was some value here. Um, but I mean, price out just $2,100. I was able to squeeze in a decent amount of other good players to try to compensate for what I'd be, you know, giving up possibly on defense if the Jets don't have a good game. Yeah, I, I did something similar where I, I spent down at defense and quarterback. And you know, so I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers against the New England Patriots. Like we talked about last, uh, talked about the game last week, like the, the Pats still don't look good on offense. I think some of their score is overinflated by how poor the, the Cardinals were doing last week in terms of their offensive conversions. Um, so give me the Chargers against the Pats. I think they, they can hold Cam Newton in check. I'm not too worried about yeah. the Pats going for 30 plus points and them giving you negative negative points and so maybe they get a turnover or an interception yeah. Cam newton's been turning the ball over a decent amount so i i don't love them as a defense yeah. you know i'm not you know really something excited by that yeah but something to be said that something to be said that if i had to make a pick on the over under team totals here for both those games the jets and raiders and the the patriots and Chargers, i'd take the under on the mm-hmm. point totals in those and so i think there's something to be said about that we're kind of ex- expecting more of a defensive matchup in both those i think and um yeah. I don't hate that play either, Chargers against the Patriots. Uh, before we go, let's touch upon just a couple other recommendations outside of our lineup selections. Um, let's start the quarterback position. One to highlight, like I said earlier, Aaron Rodgers is really the number one option in DFS for me this week. Price out at $6,800. I couldn't fit him into my personal lineup, but you know, I really love the matchup against the Eagles this week. And Aaron Rodgers has been an animal looking like he's playing just as good or better than he's ever played in his career right now. And uh, with all of his weapons healthy, I think Lazard is the only one that's questionable. Um, but I think Lazard is trending towards playing. And I think Rogers is going to continue to keep the ball rolling with his hot streak. He's on. Yeah. I think in t- if you're going to spend up at quarterback, I think he's the best choice. Russell Wilson was like 7,700. Kyler is, is a little bit more expensive than him too. So if, if you're considering the matchup as well as the consistency of play and you know, if you want to stack him with Devontae Adams, that's a re- readily available option. That That's an awesome one-two punch. And like I have in my lineup, you can stack him with Tunyon too if you kind of want to save some money uh, to be able to spend that for Rodgers. So awesome, awesome value. 
Um, a couple of other guys we had, we have Kirk Cousins on there. Another great matchup. He has all of his playmakers healthy on offense, so he should be able to light it up with Thielen back. Uh, great red zone option, and Justin Jefferson has just been out of this world for a rookie. Uh, Tannehill. So you want to talk a little bit about a little bit about Tannehill, Ben? Yeah, I mean. I- for the same reasons why I like Derrick Henry and and uh, AJ Brown in my personal lineup, I like Tannehill this week against the uh, Cleveland Browns. The Browns' are, defense is is not great, um, but Miles Garrett is coming back for for the Browns, and so that's why I didn't end up going with Tannehill. But you know, Tannehill's got a good matchup against Cleveland, and I think he's going to continue to throw the ball well. He's been surprisingly one of the top ten quarterbacks in the fan, in fantasy this year. I think he continues to keep that going. Uh, A.J. Brown is really starting to hit his stride as an elite receiver in this league, and Tannehill is really benefiting on that. So, I mean, it also doesn't hurt to have the best rush running, running back in the league. I can't, continue, I can't continue to say that enough. I mean, Tannehill's got the best running back in the league and one of the best receivers in the league. You I mean, that always helps. It always helps you at quarterback. You know? Corey Davis has been a very consistent true very true this year he's always around 60 and john smith's kind of hot and cold sometimes and he's been better lately too high potential yeah and then just to round out some of the values we, we touched on Fitzpatrick. if he plays at price out of six thousand dollars that's a decent option as well and then for the reasons that i mentioned earlier on the podcast baker mayfield has a decent matchup this week against the titans i think baker mayfield can maybe possibly score a couple touchdowns uh, look for him to throw the ball a little bit this week. I think he's going to um, at least give the Browns a, a chance to win this ball game. And I think yeah. Mayfield at just $5,300, if you really want to bargain at quarterback, I think that's, a all right, that's an all right option. I think he's more of a floor play than a ceiling play, though. Certainly. I, I wouldn't want to 100%. have him in a tournament lineup where I'm, I really want a, the possibility of a high point total. I would think I would want to go for more of a Fitzpatrick who has that huge upside. But if you're talking about a cash game where you just want to get, you know, 18, 20 points out of the position, Baker should be really safe play. Agreed. Running backs. I mean, you can't go wrong. You got to get one of these guys in your lineup and cook Henry Chubb, James Robinson, or Austin Eckler. In my, in my opinion, you got to have one of those guys in your lineup this week, because it, clearly those are the top five guys coming into this week's rankings. Really just good matches for all of them. And really just great runners um, amongst that group there. And then um, besides that kind of the tier below, I was looking at possibly Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, and Kareem Hunt. I think all those guys in their own right have decent matchups and are decent values this week to play at running back. Any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I think, I think you have the right players in there. David Montgomery coming off his hundred yard game and he gets the Lions, So that, that matchup is fantastic. Uh, the, the four you mentioned, I, I have three lineups built right now and one of each of them is included. So you're, you're right on there. And in the only way I think you can get off of them is if you have Devonte Adams, who's basically an RB one. Um, but otherwise I, I think you have the the right players um, in there but aside from Devonte Booker, who I think is a good value, but he's in your main lineup. So, yeah. And then you, yeah, you have Gallman in your lineup. I kind of like him this week. Naheem Hines, you mentioned earlier on the podcast, he could be a decent play against Houston. Um, Especially if Jonathan Taylor's out. Yeah, it sounds like Taylor might be playing, um, but I think Houston, is, is, they have a more propensity. They give up more uh, passing yards to running backs than uh, the typical defense. I mean, this year, Houston's given up the they're right around. I'm looking it up right now. They are right around. Sorry about that. Okay, so the, yeah, they rank um, they rank seventh in uh, passing yards allowed to running backs this year, and they've given up um, a decent amount of 
rushing touchdowns to running backs. I think Naheem Hines is the better matchup um, for the, for the Colts against Houston. And while um, Jonathan Taylor's comeback doesn't help, I think that he could still have some value Naheem Hines this week. Um, and then also, like I mentioned earlier on the podcast, I like Cam Akers to, to be the guy that starts to take over the backfield for the Rams. I think he had with the, with the good week last week, I think McVay is kind of starting to see that he's the most talented guy there. While by no means would, is Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson on the way out, they're still going to have a role. I think Cam Akers being the most explosive one is going to have an opportunity to make the biggest plays in this game. Yeah, definitely Hines and Akers more of dart throws. I w- again, I wouldn't rely on them on cash, but some upside if you want to go for a tournament play with those two. Yeah. Um, any any thoughts on the wide receiver position? Who are your who are your guys that you're looking to target here at wide receiver besides the ones we already mentioned? Yeah, I think both both Rams wide receivers are great values. Cup at sixty one hundred, Woods at fifty nine. So there's a lot of meat on the bone having one of them as your wide receiver too. And then the Texans guys, uh, fantastic options just because of the Will Fuller thing that we talked about. Um, I'm really sticking with the guys in our lineups, though. Otherwise, I didn't really like some of the other values outside of the position because Tyreek Hill is not on the main slate. So there's no real world breaker. Hopkins has a tough matchup. Um, So some of those other main guys that we might pivot to uh, aren't really there. So it's, it's Allen Robinson and Devontae Adams at the top of the list for me. Yeah. Other guys that I would maybe consider, uh, did we mention Devontae Parker yet? I think he could be a decent play if it's Patrick plays, um, maybe a dart throw at Michael Pittman jr. Facing the Houston Texans, uh, maybe Dar- uh, Darius Slayton facing against the Seattle Seahawks for the New York giants. But I mean, Colt McCoy throwing to him isn't exciting. Yeah, if I'm going to go for a Giants receiver, I'm not going to go with Slayton. I'm going to go with Shepard. Um, last week when Colt McCoy came in, he heavily targeted Shepard. Oh, you would know and, better than uh, me. Yeah, he didn't throw to Slayton at all. Um, meanwhile, Shepard, he has six targets in 23 straight games, uh, if you consider the games he's played the full game. And I don't think any other receiver in the league has done that. When he's on the field, he's going to get six targets. He's averaging eight catches or eight targets, yeah, six catches. Um, so at 5,300 going against the Seahawks who are the 32nd ranked pass defense on DFS in terms of points given up. He he's a decent option, but it's just like a, a Colt McCoy factor. If Daniel Jones was a starting quarterback, I would definitely totally. pull him out, but the ceiling is going to be capped. So I, I just don't love it. Totally. All right. That's going to do it here for um, our DFS segment. I think we had some good recommendations and a couple tight ends. Actually, Go ahead. Cause one guy we didn't mention is Dallas Goddard and he's coming off back-to-back huge games. He's a safety blanket for Carson Wentz. When Wentz gets nervous, he locks on to Goddard. So if Ertz doesn't play, then I like Goddard. So I think that's another guy we could target aside from Tunyon and uh, Gesicki here. Otherwise TJ Hawkinson, if Galladay is out, then I would be willing to pay out for him. Yeah, tight end is so unpredictable this season. I mean, I just I don't I don't like any tight end, honestly. Yeah, you were ready to skip right over him. I was like, man, no, I value Blaine. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> You're like, fuck that tight end. It, it, I just I feel like I'm burned every week on a tight end in yeah. DFS. And and you know, take your Kelsey's pick. It's a, it's, a, slate, it's a complete yeah. dart throw, you know. Really, it's a complete dart throw every week at tight end. So good luck if you're gonna if you're gonna pick anybody below like Darren Waller, maybe Hawkinson has a little bit of a floor, but I mean, really, some of these guys, I mean, you could go for two catchers and 20 yards, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's just a complete dart throw most weeks. All right. Now we'll do it here for our DFS segment. Connor, any closing thoughts? Ready for week 13? Uh, closing thought, I would say consider adding George Kittle to your lineup. He could possibly I saw you be did in that. the mix. Um, <laughs> San Francisco has mentioned that 
he is in play if San Francisco is vying for a playoff spot to play in the last couple of games of the year. So he could be a huge factor in the playoffs um, along the same vein. Start considering the fantasy playoffs were one week removed. So you need to start looking at, you should have started looking two weeks ago, frankly, but pick up a defense now, if you're considering playing them in week 14, 15 or 16, it, it's okay to roster two defenses. It's it's okay to drop guys who are in that kind of like Jamison Crowder range who, who probably aren't going to be, in your flex or wide receiver spot, um, those inconsistent guys that you've been holding out hope for. So go ahead, cut them, add the second defense, add uh, your handcuffs absolutely too for your starting running backs. So, you know, get get the guys who are going to be locked and loaded. Um, so make sure if you have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison's on free agency or you have Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard's available, make sure you have those guys on your roster. Yeah, I agree. That's a good recommendation. Definitely for teams that are poise, uh, kind, of, kind of preparing themselves for the NFL playoffs, you're going to want to – sorry about that. You're going you're gonna to want to uh, – What was that, Benny? <laughs> pulled up a, a football article. Wanted to close out the podcast here um, to ask you a question. So Tyreek Hill last week had the performance of a lifetime for him. I mean, really just incredible performance out of him. I think he had, like we said, like 57 points or so. What was the, when was the last time um, a, a player for in fantasy football scored more than 50 points um, in an NFL game in fantasy? I mean, I would want to lean just to like last year with Christian McCaffrey or Derek Henry. Um, but I also just like, I have this highlight of is it just are we just talking about positional players? Or are we talking about quarterbacks? Oh yeah. So I mean any anybody. You could talk about quarterback or position player. Anybody when was the last time a player in fantasy football scored more than 50 points? I'm gonna go with Michael Vick on the Eagles. Good guess like seven or eight years ago. Good guess. He had that yeah, it, in two thousand and ten Sean Jackson. In yeah. two thousand and ten he scored forty nine fantasy points on November fifteenth. Oh, you gotta be the shitting. last the last guy to score over fifty points, Doug Martin in on November fourth, two thousand and twelve. Oh, Fifty one fantasy I knew points. That. Doug Martin had an explosive game against the Minnesota Vikings. So I literally had the second closest guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's like uh, Clint Portis is up there. He had a really great game. Mike Anderson had a really great game in 2000. Um, Priest Holmes had an awesome game in 2002. Fred Taylor in 2000. Marshall Falk in 2002. Um, there's maybe some LT games. Yeah, there's Sean Alexander. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell in 2016 had a great performance, but he only scored 47, so he didn't reach that 50 point benchmark. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's just that Tyreek Hill performance really historic last week and uh, really just exciting play uh, from him. And just wanted to he's on your team, so you just that's why you like wanted to talk about this. Well, I wanted to wrap the podcast with something fun, no <laughs> trivia. So I love it. That's a fun game. I like that. All right, buddy. That's gonna do it here for episode 52 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Thanks again for joining me, Connor. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on, Ben. All right, catch you next week. <laughs>